The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, record. And we're live. It's time. It to is. Gather. Monday, March 14th, 2022, 5.01 p.m. We're a minute late because Scott was on a roll and uh, it I was hard. I was cutting him off on a roll. It was hard to get him to shut <laughs> up. Um, look, I, it was like, all right, here's what happened this morning. We asked Alex Finley to come on and talk about Yacht Watch. And Elon Musk woke up this morning and thought, I have an idea. I will justify the premise of having a show on In Lieu of Fun about tracking the yachts of the super wealthy in order to seize them and deprive them of their oligarchic gains by being such a raging asshole that, um, uh, and by just particularly needling that Wittis guy. Um, uh, about whose existence I am apparently aware uh, or unaware, maybe. Uh, and so Elon Musk woke up this morning and tweeted that he was ready to fight Vladimir Putin. And I just want to say that wounded me. I was ups- I was hurt. Uh, I considered it violence um, against me. Who is the first person to tell you, Ben? How did you so find out about it? I, I looked at, glanced at Twitter this morning and my my mentions were flooded with dude he's stealing your bit um and and i i figured he was going to say something like um you know uh, uh somebody needs to kick putin's ass or something but i didn't expect it to be quite as blatant as it was I, I and I'm I've been upset about it all day you know i've you know uh there you know ukrainians are dying, I know. And, uh, you know, there are 2 million refugees. But what about me? And this is the part that I'm really having trouble with. I'm enough about you. Can I talk about me? Um, (laughs) So I, well, when Dinesh D'Souza started doing lighter tweeting today, because I felt the same kind of thing. Yeah. Did that actually happen? No. Yeah, but the, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, look, I, let's talk about the an imbalance, an imbalance of power. So here. how will you feel when Elon Musk all of a sudden makes like cream cream of broccoli soup on his counter? What about when he starts doing tweeting the beast of the day? Um, okay, that'll be. That'll be, yeah, that, that's, that's a casus belli. That is an I mean, let's What talk, are the red lines? Let, what are the red lines here, Ben? It's already way over the red lines. Let's talk about uh, imbalance of power. He is the richest man in the world. Uh, like, you know, biggest country in the world. I am, you know, a moderately 
comfortable uh, uh, middle-aged middle desk worker. Um, he has 78 million Twitter followers. So when he says he's going to fight Vladimir Putin, uh, like the whole world knows it. I've been saying that I want to fight Vladimir Putin for five years, six years. Nobody gives a shit. Um, but uh, so I, he says with 400,000 followers. plus. But not only that, but you were I'm sorry, weren't you in the congressional record or I mean, uh, well, I, I the Kremlin did respond to my request um, uh, and actually in the person of Dmitry Peskov, who announced publicly that he'd never heard of me and um, uh, and that Putin's <laughs> judo skills were legendary. Um, uh, and so, look, I, I just want to say, Elon, you should have checked with me first. You should have cited my work. Um, it's, it's just not cool to rip off the week like this. Um, and um, by the way, you've never given a dime to lawfare. Um, and I, I'm just hurt. Uh, so I've he never has been 78 million followers because every single one of those people is looking for an opportunity to ask him for money like but, you're but, doing right but, now. <laughs> but just just, I just, you know, I tease Scott because Rick Grinnell, the ratio of Rick Grinnell's Twitter followers to Scott's Twitter followers is what is it about 11 to one or something? No, 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 no. Actually, I, I recalculated it two days ago. I'm incredibly embarrassed to say. Um, but it's no, like, uh, it's, it's, it's roughly 9.9 .9 to one. Okay. So you're down below 10. That's, that's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, uh, what is it? Uh, 78 million. So I'm at less than half a million. So, you know, it's, it's like 150, it's more than 150 wow. to one. Um, you know, so Elon Musk is kicking my ass in, in the Twitter followers department. I know exactly how I want to respond to this. I want to fucking take his yacht away because we are not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to go after the yachts of the super wealthy. And I know I have the perfect person here to do it. Alex Finley, the last time you joined us, you were in an undisclosed location somewhere in Southern Europe. You have now disclosed that location in connection with your current project. Um, joining us from Barcelona, uh, Alex, I, it's, it's, it's not appropriate to have a favorite part of the Ukraine conflict um, because it's so horrible. But my favorite part of the Ukraine conflict is hashtag Yacht Watch. Um, and um, uh, I just want you to tell us the story of how you started tracking yachts in Barcelona. Is she frozen for anyone else? No, just me. No, I think I froze. Do you hear me? Yeah, she's frozen for me. I think I, do, I can do hear you. Hear you? Me? Yeah, we hear you just fine. But go, but, but go ahead. But my camera froze. We can try to fix it. Okay. But well, I look at least I'm smiling. You do. You look lovely. Okay. You've like you. Um, some people go like this when they freeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did the whole thing start? I don't know. It's a little strange. I, I had been doing research on oligarch yachts uh, for my upcoming Victor book and um, had covering operations. I had been part of that world following it. And uh, Barcelona is a great place for yacht watching. It's one of the largest ports. They have a great shipyard here. And so all the big ones, the big fancy ones come here. So Dilbar, 
which everyone has now heard of, which is Alisher Usmanov's yacht um, that was uh, arrested up in Germany a couple of days ago at this point, uh, was often here. It was like a main thing that was in the port. It was always there. And so, you know, I've been sort of already tuned with these with these yachts. And uh, one afternoon, really just for shits and giggles, my husband and I took an afternoon off and decided to go down to the port and just kind of hang out. It was a nice day and we both needed a, you know, an afternoon off. And by total chance, uh, Roman Abramovich's uh, Solaris was out running sea trials and she had been in the marina for weeks at that point. Um, but, you know, just by chance, she was out for the first time. And so I managed to catch a few pictures of it and uh, and I did a tweet thread wondering what the boat was doing out and if she was preparing to flee because we were talking about sanction on, on sanctions on oligarchs at that point. And um, and the tweet went viral. And the next thing I knew, people were offering me like yacht column, yacht watch columns and come on CNN. I think it's amazing. That's it. That's like, the story. So how do you watch them? physically like how do you track them <laughs> so i do use like everybody else you, anybody can do it there's these apps there's marine traffic and vessel find that you can um and you can uh, see them in you know you can just go online and sort of check them and um and see where they all are so it's actually very easy once we had a working list that was sort of the hard part but i had already like i said i had already done some research so i had a list to start from and uh, very quickly we put together a list of, you know, who are the big oligarchs and what yachts do they have? And from there you can just sort of plug it into these apps and track where they all are. Can I, can, can, the can the I, hard part is proving ownership. Can I, can I um, uh, ask what, like uh, just super basic question, which is that what is happening with the yachts when they are seized are they seized um because they're because they're owned by sanctioned entities and so therefore anything that's owned by sanctioned entities has to be frozen um by the by whatever the authorities or is it more that the fact that the the yacht is owned by the oligarch means that it's um it, it it's criminally tainted and so therefore it's it it's seized I mean, which is it is like is one sanctions or is it criminal law uh, okay so my understanding is okay. that it's sanctioned so the five yachts that have been arrested as we say because they're not seized oh um the five yachts that What's have been arrested are because the owners so, uh, for example, if you freeze a bank account, right? Like Iran had billions of dollars frozen at, at one right. point, right? And it wasn't that the U.S. government could go and spend that money. It's just that it, that's it. It sat there. It, it sat there in a bank account and nobody could touch it. But nobody was doing anything else with it. Iran couldn't access it, but also the, the U.S. government couldn't do anything with it. And so this is the same. These aren't... It's not like a forfeiture or there's been a criminal proceeding. Like if you look at Bernie Madoff, they were able to actually chain the yachts and then auction them right, off. I see. So there, and that's not the I case see, here. A, so there's these no are, transfer of property rights, right? 
Yeah, so that, I was just going to Correct. Yeah. And so what would have to happen for us to seize Elon Musk's yachts? That was a joke. I don't even know if he has a yacht. I haven't followed. I don't know either, but you know, he's got to have a yacht. Maybe it's a conspicuous Harazad. No, no, the genius is you can't you can't seize tunnels really. What are you going to do with them? All right. So how many yacht big yachts are uh, oligarch yachts are there in Barcelona, and what do uh, uh, and how many of them have you been able to attribute ownership to? So at the moment, there are three that are still here that we believe we know the owners of. One of whom is under uh, um, U.S. sanctions. Uh, of those three that are still here, two are in the water and look, they, they're still in the shipyard, right? They're not in the port. They're in the shipyard, which means they're undergoing maintenance. They're paying somebody to have maintenance or refurbishment or whatever done on them. Uh, of the three that are here, two are in the water and they look as though they're ready to go. The third one is under scaffolding. So completely nowhere near being seaworthy at this point. Um, uh, but like I said, of the three that are still here, only one is one owner is currently under U.S. sanctions, not under EU sanctions. Uh, so, but we did have here we had Solaris, which was one of Abramovich's boats, Sea Rhapsody, which is often here, um, left a, a number of weeks ago, and Galactica Supernova, which the Daily Beast wrote the other day is like a disappeared yacht; it stopped pinging completely. Um, I actually saw her. I, I saw her one day. She was in the slip, and the next day she was gone. One, so one uh, she only. left. Like a, how, how do you like a week only a yacht? Sorry, like that's like Doctor No shit uh, disappearing a yacht. Um, these are big things. They're they're ships. Um, what does it mean to disappear? Does it mean it's somewhere out in the uh, international waters with its transponder off? Well, so that, that's parts, that part's not clear. So some of these, yet yeah, they haven't pinged, meaning their tracking system called AIS is not pinging for some reason. But there, there are legitimate reasons why it might not be pinging. Um, some because marine traffic in some cases can only get terrestrial pings. So the, the yacht has to be close enough to land that it's pinging somebody on land. It may be that there's dense traffic, uh, so the pings aren't getting read. Uh, or it could be that the yacht actually turns off its tracking signal. And again, there are some legitimate reasons to turn off a tracking signal. So if you're going through pirate waters, for example, if you're off the coast of Somalia or if you're in the Gulf of Guinea, um, it is in cases you know, people, the captains do turn the AIS off. But if I understand correctly, once you turn your AIS off, there are other steps that you have to take to inform authorities sort of where you are and you have to mark it down in the logbook, etc. because this AIS is to make sure that crash crashes don't happen. Um, so we don't know. We don't know why these boats aren't pinging and we, you know, it could be nefarious. I mean, certainly given the circumstances, we would all think that it's nefarious, uh, but you know, maybe there's a legitimate reason. I, I we just, we haven't figured that out yet. Um, well, I, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these yachts are sort of disappearing into the Indian Ocean, and we're not sure where they're all going to go. So, 
not to make this all about Elon Musk, and I know he wants to make it all about Elon Musk, but isn't this why we're going to Mars, in your professional opinion, Alex? Because just these oceans are not fast enough, and it's just not clear that we can sufficiently lose a yacht in them. I mean, or maybe <laughs> alternatively, like maybe we don't, we could like, maybe we could, maybe they are vast enough. Like it just turns out all you have to do is like power off a GPS device on your, on your yacht. And suddenly you're as anonymous as being on the surface of Mars, uh, lost in a vast well, I guess ocean. we can, we can look forward, we can look forward to the next war when the sanctions will be on. Teslas that are flying through space and and other uh, outer space vehicles, and then we'll have to be sanctioning those. It will have turned off their tracking signals, and how will we find them as they float through the universe? Right. Yeah. Can can um so, and let me ask you the obvious second question, which is, what you're doing sounds to me like irritating to. <laughs> the oligarchs um are you not worried um i assume you are like can you talk about like i mean like your personal experience and how you're processing and dealing with it i i don't think the oligarchs actually care about me one way or the other no. i mean like i said the, the the information is out there and it's open so uh, and there are plenty of bigger people i think that are paying attention to this kind of thing. So no, I, I'm not super worried about that. Should I be? Uh, no, but it just, um, uh, uh, I just would say that what were I an oligarch, um, I think this, this show would be much more, um, it would be colder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know, I would actually like to, I'm not like worried about Alex, but like, I guess I'm kind of like, Alex, I'm just like really confused. Why do any of these yachts have any type of transponder devices or any type of tracking devices still attached to them? Why do they not like detach them slash turn them off slash throw them into the oceans? Like, I understand that like they might, but like, I don't know. There seems to be a moment of lawlessness here uh to seize and like it just i'm i'm kind of like i don't know like couldn't you say anything at this point like couldn't you say like my transponders dropped working like what like this was i was being tracked on the internet by like ex-cia like people like so i had to get rid of this or something like that like i had no individual privacy like i would i would imagine that there is some amount of excuse that you could make. I'm like actually more amazed that this is still possible to do. I, I, not, I don't think so actually. I mean, the, first of all, by law, by maritime law, they have to have the tracking system on. And, you know, remember these crew members, you know, they're, they're certified crew. I mean, you have to go learn to be a captain. You have to get a permit to be a captain, to be on the crew. If these guys ever want to work anywhere ever again, they don't want to break the but law. But that doesn't make sense and because they're the getting moment, paid by people who own $40 billion yachts. So like, of course they're going to get a really generous severance package to like break the law. Like, I just, I don't know. Well, maybe they, they may not get paid because by the time these, these yachts get Vladivostok, you know, the, the oligarch may have no money to pay them, but these guys are still going to need jobs. But, um, you know, the, the, again, these are these are international crew. They're not interested in breaking the law. 
but and on top of it the, for the moment most of these yachts are not sanctioned uh, and the few that are um are not near the ones that are you know abramovich is only sanctioned in the uk and his boats are nowhere near the uk um and the boats that are sanctioned here in europe the, they're not here so all these these yachts that have have fled uh, they're not they're not really at risk of sanctions yeah, so because let, they're not anywhere where they they could be sanctioned. So let's talk about that. What what determines when a yacht gets sanctioned or when, you know, um, from our perspective, these are all yachts from of people whose names we know because they're, you know, Deripaskas or Abramoviches or you know, uh, people who, uh, you know, have shown up as Putin adjacent oligarchs in the American press over time. And these boats are immense and they're um, uh, lavish. And so we look at it and say, okay, if you're, if you're sanctioning oligarchs, these are, this is the low hanging yacht fruit. But Clearly, authorities are making pretty fine distinctions between yachts that are arrestable and yachts that are not. So what are the factors that that are being considered when when, you know, uh, harbor masters at, in Barcelona look at yachts A, B and C and think about what they can do with them? Uh, I mean, look, so far, like I said, the, the yachts, uh, the yachts that are here in Barcelona, for example, none of them are under EU sanction. So, you know, I, I don't know that there is uh, anticipation that the Spanish authorities will do anything. But I guess the, the question is, that, why aren't um, they under EU sanction? Oh, that, yeah, yeah, I, that I don't know. I don't know why. You know, I mean, look, the, the UK took forever to act on Abramovich, which was the, the, the obvious one. And his yacht left on a Tuesday afternoon, and then he was sanctioned on Thursday morning. And in the meantime, he was able to, you know, make all the arrangements for Chelsea and probably move all his other assets around. Part of the problem in all of this is, remember, you know, these guys played a big role in Putin's destabilization efforts, right? So, I mean, a lot of what they were doing was buying influence here in Europe and uh, buying politicians and you know making sure that they were well integrated in in european society and british society so when it was time to sanction them you know maybe they were able to buy a little bit of goodwill and a little bit of time to give them uh, give them time to rearrange things a little bit and uh, and then get out and and then some of these officials here here in europe and in britain just don't want to deal with it it's almost easier right if I mean, a, a villa you can't move, but at least if the if the yachts are gone, well, they're, at least they're gone and we don't have to deal with it anymore. I mean, the first statements that were coming out, for example, out of the UK, was we will no longer accept uh, Russian boats here in UK waters. Okay, well, you won't accept any new ones, but what about the ones that are that are already there? Or are you just going to force them out, or are you going to actually, you know, seize them or arrest them? And that other than you know, the Italians are, are winning this by far, they've they've arrested three. So, you know, we'll see if there's a, a will to do any more. 
Where, so where? so Italy's in first place with three yachts. Who who else is in the running? Yep. Who's doing who's doing well with yacht arrests? France France has one, and Germany has one. Where, where's the Scheherazade? Where's yeah. that one, Logan? Yeah, Scheherazade is oh, in Italy. Italy. Okay. Um, but we don't, yeah, we we don't know this as the last New York Times article, right, was that uh, they were looking into it. But I don't know what's going to come from that. And then, you know, they, they mentioned in the last New York Times article that Scheherazade had a, a companion yacht named Crescent. And that one, in fact, is here, uh, just an hour south of Barcelona. I went yesterday to check it out. There is a, um, I guess what I'm kind of curious about is like, if you're one of these super yachts and you turn off your GPS and you decide to go wherever the heck you're gonna go. Kate's and obsessed. Get, I know, I know, I know. Her, she's very, in, she's very focused on this. I, but, but wait, wait, I know I'm a little obsessed, but like, I actually kind of just don't understand. like. Who is going to st like? There will be somebody who will eventually like let you dock, right? Like, or are there only like a few places enough in the world to let you dock? Like, I'm kind of this is the part that like. It seems to me like a self-sustaining universe that you can be out there and float in this way for forever, and so I guess like no, it's not like so. Okay, so how long? Is no, that? how long can you? No, make so so th this is one of the pro so well. First of all, like the, these are crews, right? They're crews on these. It's not. It's not that the oligarchs themselves are on these yachts at the moment, right? So there are crews, and they expect at one point to be paid. And they're not looking to break any laws um, unless you get Russian, you know, you can totally switch out and get the Russian crew on board. And then maybe that changes the game a little <laughs> bit. But on top of it, these are massive machines. They're highly technological. Um, they're sitting in a corrosive seawater, seawater environment. And uh, they require an enormous amount of upkeep. I mean, these are, you know, $600 million yachts. So even if you can go into the Maldives or the seashells for a little bit, um, there are not the facilities to maintain them. There's not the knowledge to uh, service them. Yeah. Even this, those kind of services don't exist. Yeah, I, I, All of those shipyards are here in Europe. Yeah, that's, that's... I, I've been looking a little around a little bit. I, I think Dubai has some services that they could probably manage some of this. And, and the UAE, right, is is kind of playing the odds at this point not sure which way it's going to go um but i don't think even dubai couldn't take all of these yachts all at once so you know i, I just don't understand at this point where they all go and how they how they uh, keep keep up the maintenance on them so i i i have a question which is how much of your interest in this subject is driven by yacht envy that you basically want one of these yachts <laughs> And you're gonna, um, you know, you're gonna hound these people to the ends of the earth because they have a super yacht and you don't. I do not want a mega yacht. I would love a picture of me holding a Ukrainian flag on a Russian mega yacht, but I do not want one of these yachts for myself. First of all, I I think they're ostentatious and ugly. They really are. They're not. Yeah, I would much prefer a small sailboat uh, kind of thing. That it's it's not at all my thing, and I don't need uh, I don't need the disco floor that 
you know, opens up into a swimming pool and the fish disco. But wait a minute. What about the second second helicopter pad, though? Because, you know, if you have that little sailboat and it only has one helicopter pad, you and your husband might not be able to arrive at the same time. It's a real problem. This is it. If you have guests coming from two locations at the same time or a guest arriving when you're coming from another location, absolutely, you need the two. I I get it. I get it. I I would just say that I'm like you, Alex, that (laughs) I don't want one of these mega yachts because the upkeep. Oh, my God. Like when you were. Yeah, 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 that's it. I mean, the gutters alone. The general rule. (laughs) It's a headache. The general rule is 10 percent of the price of the yacht. Right. So if, if your yacht is 600 million, so Solaris, for example, they say is around 600 million. You're talking 60 million dollars a year just to keep it afloat. That, that's not even can you imagine filling the tank of gas like that alone. How much does that cost? They're not fuel efficient. That's, you know, three hundred thousand. What is it? Three hundred thousand euros or something. Do you think it's like? I don't even do you think know. It's, and now the price is going up. Who knows? Do you think it would solve the problem if they made them as high? I'm going to calculate yachts? it one day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so yeah, like sailing yacht A, which <laughs> is one of the ones that <laughs> sailing yacht A uh, is one of the was seized Friday night, Saturday morning by the Italians. Um, uh, that's Melnichenko, I think, is the guy is is the owner of that one, and it's this super sleek, new white sailboat. It's the largest sailboat on Earth, at least until Jeff Bezos's sailboat gets delivered soon. And the three masts on it um, were are are a new technology. It was a technology they were studying uh, putting uh, sails on cargo ships specifically for this like this hybrid thing that you just said so instead of cargo ships being only on fuel that they would also have sail power and uh and so sailing at a is using that technology um in its sails and apparently if you put the full all three sails at full you know full completely unfurled it's like the size of an american football field or something i don't remember the statistic but it's enormous Wait, and so that the, those, they work. Yeah, yeah. So that one works. I mean, that's a high. That one's a high. But like, what's oh, the new technology? Yeah, right. That's right. Really interesting. Like, like, what? What? Like, so that seems like really old technology. No, 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 no. The sail catches the wind. I know. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Super high tech sails. I'm not exactly sure how. I think the idea that was putting the sails on the cargo ships was the new technology. Oh, I mean, like, oh. Like in order maybe, to do that, they have maybe to be they're, stronger. Maybe the masks do that, are retractable or something. This is it. They have well, they have to be stronger masks, yeah. right? Because yeah. you're you're hauling a much larger yes. boat. Right. All right. But, see, but seizing seizing a sailboat does it doesn't feel the same, right? I kind of really like that. Every time I've looked into the corner, and oh, then he's like barely like disguising a smirk on his face for the entire no i i'm I the, is it only me for me everybody is frozen. um i don't see any oh I, moving. Like, uh, no, I see kate moving but nobody we're else we're all moving mellifluously you're just moving like this oh i don't yeah, see you're... her moving at all she's been a frozen uh, static like i see all of you frozen I'm gonna refresh and come back i'll be right back 
Uh, I, no, I no, you're good. You're good. You're, you're good. You're good. You shouldn't uh, do that. Um, so here's my question. Um, uh, and I think I'm channeling a lot of people uh, in the Greek chorus when I ask this. this is a, a serious question. Why does this matter? So like on the one, like it's super fun. And at some level, we all emotionally feel like it stands for something. But at the end of the day, is it just a symbol of the uh, the extreme nouveau riche bad taste uh, of Russian oligarchs uh, and the sort of conspicuous consumption uh, uh, of them? Or is there something actually more important about it than that? I think there's something more important. I understand that it has become a little bit of a, a game on Twitter. Um, I think that if it takes a game to get people to start focusing on it, then that's fine. But for me, the yachts are much more serious than that. So again, it's fun because it, there's a little bit of glee that goes into seeing really horrible people have their yachts taken away. But, but because of the why people are so horrible. And so if we can use this to focus on the issue of kleptocracy, corruption, inequality, Putin's destabilization efforts, the role of the oligarchs in that, the role of the oligarchs in Kremlin policy and agenda making, um, then to me it's, it's worth it because uh, they do. They, they have played a, a central role in all of Russia's influence operations. And I do think that the, the best outcome we can hope for in Ukraine is internally in Russia that somebody takes Putin out of power. And if that, if the oligarchs putting some pressure, if we can put pressure on the oligarchs and they can put some pressure on him, along with all of the other ways that we're putting pressure on Russia, um, then I think that that's probably the best outcome yeah, we can I hear you for. say two things, right? One is like you want to put pressure on the oligarchs because that's the pressure on Putin. But there's also this other thing that I thought you were uh, uh, getting at at the beginning of your comments, which is that it's a it's a really good story. That is, the yachts, these mega yachts, are a symbol of corruption, um, and that tell like telling, seizing them is telling a story, which is kind of emotionally gets to you, and so therefore it's an effective way of you know spreading spreading a message. It, 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 is that did I hear you correctly? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, it's look, every everything is terrible, right? So if we can have something fun in our lives, but still helps us feel that we're we're learning and understanding about the terrible thing, uh, you know, that's not so bad. So, um, and that's sort of what I do. I mean, I wrote a I wrote a satire of the war on terror. I took something absolutely terrible and I found what was funny and absurd about it in order to sort of try to teach the public about what was happening. And I think that the yachts can can play that kind of a role. Like you said, it gets people interested and it helps to highlight uh, one of the, you know, a number of the reasons that we've ended up in this situation that we're in in the first place. 
So I want to suggest one other reason that it matters that's elliptical, I think, in what you're saying. Um, the source of the oligarchs' power abroad uh, is money. They cannot park money in traditional, simply in traditional banking systems. And so they park it in real assets of a variety of types all over the world, particularly in stable real estate economies, uh, most famously London. Um, and you actually, you know, a $700 million yacht is actually an appreciable uh, sto asset storage vehicle. It's not simply an expression of wealth. It's also a means of it's a means of storing that wealth. And if you want to go after the yeah. the sources of power of the oligarchs, which is in turn the sources of power of Putin, you have to deprive them of the uh, value of the overseas wealth. Is that is that a part of the story? That's sort of the Ann Applebaum thesis. Yeah, yeah. Yes, no, absolutely. That's a, that's another part of it is that the the these guys have helped Putin with his destabilization, but they've totally taken advantage of the very countries that they're trying to destabilize. They park their money here. It's great to make money in Russia by stealing it, but then they park their money here in the West, like you said, because it's safe. Because look at what they managed to steal. They don't want to leave it in Russia because somebody may steal it from them. So they put it here because we have rule of law, because we are not an authoritarianism, authoritarian uh, society. We have rule of law. Uh, it's still a democratic society. And, and you know that if you put your money here, it's, it's a safe investment. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's part of what makes me angry about the whole thing. But, but to a little, to an extent, sorry, and I know that we just brought Mateo on, but so I'll ask this quickly, but like, I think that this is kind of, to a certain extent, like when Scott asked his initial question before, which was like, in what way do you mean seizure? In US law, there's like, or, I mean, in another law, like I'm sure there are different ways to like describe seizure. Seizure can be trespass, like in this kind of like seizing in a property sense, like enough, and, and like, then it can also kind of end like in a forfeiture, civil asset forfeiture sense. But there are also criminal capacities in which you like seize assets as punishment or and hold them, as you said, until something has been distributed, like or until something has been like until like like justice has been like kind of decided. And then you kind of go to some like you decide what to do with that asset. And so, like, I guess what I'm kind of the reason I was kind of drilling down into like how you seize these things and why they're not just on the run and whether or not the oligarchs are on them or not was like that seems to describe the state of seizure that they might be in like if like the actual kind of oligarchs are on these like on these vessels that would change it for me and also if they are seizing the assets of oligarchs in criminal capacity that would change it for me and then if they're just being tracked like, and the reason we're tracking them is because maritime law requires that they like have their trackers on. That seems like the least 
basically I'm just trying to like see how much enforcement can be brought down upon these yachts is like basically how I was trying to kind of describe it. And if something doesn't come into port, it seems very difficult to do, but it's like, as you described the, the kind of the infrastructure of these, they can't stay out of port for huge, huge periods of time. Mateo, the floor is yours. Thanks. Oh, sorry. Uh, were you were you going to say something, Alex? No, oh. that's okay. I don't. I don't see anybody else though. Everybody's frozen. You know, <laughs> we're frozen me. assets. <laughs> Mateo, <laughs> uh, the floor is yours. All right. Um, this is maybe a bit of a basic question, but you know, uh, not knowing much about sanctions mechanics or, or how these things get carried out, um, it would be. Um, so I'm wondering. The, the basis of these yachts are able to be arrested uh, if the owners aren't Russian government figures. Is it really as simple as the you know uh, UK or Spanish government looking at you know a list of who's rich and close to Putin and putting those things on a list and saying we're going to punish them this way, or is there some more official seeming mechanism that they're using here. I, I'm okay. not used to it by any stretch of the imagination, but it just strikes me as a little weird. Alex, could you not hear Mateo just then? I couldn't hear him. Okay, uh, then I will repeat the question. Uh, I don't know why you couldn't hear that, but Mateo asks what the mechanism is under which these sanctions take place. Um, I can answer that under U.S. law. I cannot answer it under EU or U.K. law. Um, uh, Alex, I don't know if you can. No, I'll let you go ahead. All right. So under, e under U.S. law, uh, these are done under the uh, uh, Emergency Powers Act, the, uh, the, the International Emergency Powers Act which is a broadly worded statute that basically allows the president under emergency situations uh, to uh, designate entities and uh, restrict or regulate transactions with those entities. This is the law that has been the basis for a lot of the Cuba embargo, for example, a lot of the uh, Al-Qaeda sanctions over the years. It's an extremely powerful law and the way that it works is it allows Treasury uh, under regulations that have been enacted to designate actors, uh, overseas actors, you cannot do it with domestic actors, allows the Treasury Department to designate actors with which, uh, who are in the view of the United States government um, uh, acting inimically to US policy and to restrict or proscribe or require a license uh, in order to do transactions with them. This is the basis for US actions against, for example, North Korea. My impression is that the EU and uh, the UK both have uh, essentially matching regimes that uh, allow them to mirror effectively what the US is doing, but I'm not familiar with those regimes in detail and I can't uh, identify how they work for you. Richard Wattenbarger, the floor is yours. Okay, I, I hope that I don't break up 
in the middle of this. I've been having connectivity issues all day. So you sound great. Oh, good, good. Um, so I've, I've read that the influence of the oligarchs on Putin's decisions um, about the war is limited, if not nil. And so what beyond the sensation of schadenfreude, which I do relish in this case, and, and possibly the obligations that states have, um, uh, have in um, uh, arresting these yachts and so on, um, what do we expect uh, from this? Uh, just the humiliation of Russia? Do we want to shift the oligarch support to someone who might topple Putin? And uh, is this all too little too late? Alex, what are your thoughts? I didn't hear any of it. Oh. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can't um, hear when they, when you bring somebody else in. We I can also we anything. hold on. We can also we can also read the question. Um, yeah, let, let, so, let's Kate, why don't you read that question? I just moved it to the answered. Uh, I saw it. Yep. Um, Richard asks, I've read that the influence of the oligarchs on Putin's decisions about the war is limited, if not nil. What beyond the sensation of schadenfreude, which I do relish in this case, and possibly the obligations that states have taken on in observing their own versions of the Mag Magnazine Magnitsky Act, sorry, do we expect from the arrests of the yachts, humiliations of Russia, shift of oligarch support to someone who might topple Putin? Um, and his question was basically like, he basically is like, where's the there there? That's my TLDR. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a legitimate question, but I would argue that what you're doing here, again, going after the yachts and after the other assets is, is one prong of all of this. And the idea um, is to make these oligarchs start actually living like Russians live, make them live on the Russian economy. Don't let them play anymore here on our economy, use the money here. And, um, once they are forced to sort of live there in a normal, you know, under a Russian economy and under a dictator, um, that maybe they will, you know, come together and pressure Putin to step aside or support somebody else to help take him out. But again, it's only one part of this. But if you can have enough pressure coming from different sides, um, what you're hoping for in, you know, eventually is that there's uh, in enough internal dissent that the pressure grows to eventually take Putin out of power. But I, I, I actually don't, don't like, I know, like the Washington Post picked up on this, the schadenfreude thing. I, for me, the, the, the rest of the quote was that this is actually, that sense is, much, is heightened because of who these people are. It isn't just watching rich people lose their boats. It, it, it's not really about that. It's watching oligarchs who are two-faced and have been using this system to their advantage and supporting a dictator, it's watching them lose their yachts and lose their privileges here in the West. So the idea is that they are no longer allowed to participate in this system. They have to go back and participate in the system that they have been supporting but refusing to live in. And we hope that by doing that, they will then put pressure internally to make some changes. All right. Uh, first of all, Alex, can you hear Ev when she speaks? Yeah. Uh, do you hear me? No. No react? No. Yes. Oh, yes. She can wow. hear you. Now I hear you. Yes. Right. Ev, you look very cold. The Are Canada okay? yeah. Bay pipeline. It's still intact. 
The floor so, is yours, Eve Gumond. Yeah, my question is a little less serious, but um, if you add a yacht, how, how would you call it? Yeah, what would what would you all name your yachts? Um, I I have, but it's in my next book, so you're gonna have to wait. Sorry. Whoa. We used to have a 14 foot Capri sailboat that I grew up learning to sail on. Um, and it was called the Squeebud. Wow. Uh, That's a good name. Which was, um, you know, Squeebud sounds like a weird name. Uh, it was named after my nickname and my, my family nickname is Squee. And my, um, my little brother's nickname is Buddy or Budman. Um, and so we called this, my parents named the sailboat the Squeebud. The Greek chorus, Kate, thinks your yacht should be named Norms. I mean, um, too Scott, easy. What would, what would your uh, yacht be named? Would it be named the uh, Inclusive Legal Positivist? Uh, uh, yes. So <laughs> thank you for stepping on my line. Yes. Um, that's what it would be. That's what it would be called. Um, but I, as I said, it would not, I would not have a mega yacht because the upkeep is such a headache. What, Alex, what you're really you... not going to tell us what your yacht would be named, but like not even use a different line from your book. I think you should. Uh, I think you owe us a yacht name. Would it be I the Miss or Sparkle Pony? Sparkle Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Urbino. Mm -hmm. That was that was the name of my first horse. What a coincidence, hey. Alex. <laughs> Was, was I didn't Sparkle have Pony? an actual first horse. I just imagined having one and named it in my imagination. I, I, I can't. Put, I, I, you were you were stalling so that you could come up with the perfect answer. So, Sparkle Pony definitely. Sparkle Pony is good. Um, ben, yeah. What's your what's your boat name? So Susan Hennessy and I had a joke for a long time that we were going to abscond with the contributions to lawfare from people all over the world, which we called the boat fund and buy <laughs> and, and buy a yacht with it. And we always uh, called it the SS material support um, uh, uh, for, you know, uh, um, but I'm not sure. I think that would be the boat that I would have with Susan. It would be the the SS material support. I I I don't know. I mean, I think it would probably have to, you know, have some artillery oriented name. Um, uh, I, you know, the baby the, cannon the, or something. The, no, the, no, the big cannon. Yeah. Have you considered? I'm, have you considered? Wait, SpaceX. <laughs> no, look, I mean, Elon. <laughs> um, um, all right. Who is next on the, uh, oh, Chris Holst um, and Itamar. Uh, uh, I want to say that we have a canoe, which we have like gotten stuck in the mud in the bay around in Cape Cod and we have never named. Do you have to name a canoe? I think a canoe needs a name. Oh, really? Um, oh, Chris Hulst, uh, let's first of all figure out if Alex can, can hear, hear you. Can you can you see me? Can you hear me? I can. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, I uh, can hear you. The question can was, see you. Uh, back, I guess, 
a couple of weeks ago, toward the beginning of the war, there was a uh, news piece about the crew of some uh, yacht in Spain sabotaging or sinking it, and they've been arrested. I want to know what the story is on these people the Spanish have arrested for messing with somebody's yacht. What do we know? So the story, yeah, the story there is that a, a Ukrainian shipyard worker in Mallorca was working on a Russian yacht. And when the invasion started, he decided to sink the yacht. Um, and he partially succeeded. He did not totally sink the yacht, but he partially succeeded. He was, so he wasn't crew. He was a, he was a shipyard worker and he was arrested and hauled in front of a judge and he told the judge uh, he would do it again and he was not sorry at all for what he had done and the judge let him out i think with the idea that he you know the he would have to come back when the court process began but uh, instead he got in on an airplane and he went to ukraine to fly. well that's putting your money where your mouth is as a ukrainian shipyard worker itamar how, what would you name your yacht what would i name my yacht uh i don't know i haven't got that i haven't got that close to getting a yacht so i haven't given it much thought well, I, we expect the next time you come on, you will have a name for your yacht. Uh, you are. Oh, I guess um, it would be it would be the marshmallow is what it would be. The marshmallow. So that's how I tell people to pronounce my name. It's a marshmallow. Excellent. Can Alex? Can you hear it tomorrow? <laughs> no. So you are you are inaudible. Nice to, cover, Scott. <laughs> to, to, to Alex, but so keep your question brief, and I will translate it. Uh, so, uh, how much of the yacht building and maintenance industry is uh, supported by Russian oligarchs? So, Itamar wants to know how much of the yacht building and maintenance industry is uh, a, a, a function of Russian oligarchs. Uh, in other words, if we sanction all the Russian oligarchs, are we going to put the poor European uh, uh, shipyards, out of, uh, yacht yards out of business? This is a really good question, and it's one that I'm trying to track down, but I haven't gotten any information yet. Um, look, there are still a lot of Arabs out there with very uh, big yachts. A lot of them, for example, are here in the in the marina. Um, Jeff Bezos is these are Gulfies very soon. Yeah, so you have the Gulf, the Gulf ones, and then I think there are a number of new Chinese billionaires who are buying yachts. Uh, it's the, it's all the cool kids are doing it. So, Steve Bannon arrested um, on a yacht. This is true. There you go. There's another one, but so for like a statistic I can give you is that there is a waiting list for new build yachts. So it's like a two year waiting list. Oh, so so there are still get your a lot of new now. ones. Yeah, so if you don't want to wait too long, you need to get your order in now. Uh, so a, a lot of, you know, there's still plenty there, but it's a huge hit. Uh, um, a lot of these yacht, you know, a lot of these shipyards do make, a, you know, a lot of their money off of the Russian yachts um, and the the builders in Germany and, and uh, the Netherlands are, are all probably going to take a hit. Yeah, so that's one of the things we talk about when we say that, you know, sanctions are also going to hit us. Uh, here at home, that those are some companies that will definitely feel a hit. But like, uh, I, that, go ahead. That makes Scott. me feel terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can I 
sorry. I'm just like, so much of this is not parsing for me. Like these, as Mateo points out, these are as, and as you point out, these have insane maintenance costs. They are incredibly costly to run. They're not nimble. They can't hide well. So like they're ostentatious as hell. They require these huge crews. Like you need all this fuel. They're not. KK, you're thinking about this all wrong. You're thinking like a middle class person, not I like an oligarch. You don't no, I'm thinking about buying yeah. an island. No, you're wrong. I'm thinking about buying an island. I'm imagining these as Kate, movable can islands. Can you sail an island to Barcelona to show you off your what? wealth? Alan Rosenstein was on this show <laughs> and told us he thought until the age of like 25 that all islands float. And so this is like by far the least stupid thing. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying you're, you're a big part of the point here is to show stuff off. And an island oh. is relatively stationary. Um, oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that this was all like this. So it, it's just performance for other rich people. Among That's other things, part of it, I would argue, but I would argue there's more. That it's uh, one. It, this between is why it's the not making sense to a, me. So among the oligarchs, there is a a uh, a a measuring contest. I do think yes. So part of it is showing off the wealth one to the other, but part of it also is uh, buying influence within elite society. So. Uh, for example, Abramovich allowed some of his players from Chelsea to go on their honeymoon on one of his yachts. The politicians can go and spend a weekend on the yacht. Uh, actors and actresses, people, so they, they can but use these yachts also to buy too. influence with influential people. But, but it's floating but also property. On top of That's it, my idea. Have a, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, uh, that could do the same, but this, you can move it. The other thing is that you can have a meeting on a yacht, right? You can have a very discreet meeting on a yacht. People don't necessarily see who goes on and who goes off unless you're watching the shipyard or the port all of the time. So you, so you can move it around and have meetings as you need. You can't do that with an Island. Well, they don't seem super discreet right now. Just like that's like kind of my also no my the yachts the yachts themselves are the yachts themselves are not but even I you know I went and 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 I have been watching these yachts I couldn't tell you who went on board or who didn't go on board right so if you want to hold a discreet meeting I cannot hear uh, it's mm -hmm. it's nearly impossible to figure out who's going on and off unless you happen to catch them doing that Doctor Doom you get the last question today. I think Dr. Doom can't, I hear, can't us. hear us. Hi. Okay, I can't I can't hear anything. But my question is as a store of value, um, you know, an asset has to be valued and kind of like the art market, um, a lot of it is because uh, other very rich people kind of value it. Once you've had an event like this, um, doesn't it turn these yachts into sort of uh, embarrassments and to that event, doesn't it devalue that? That would happen in the art market. Did you hear that, Alex? No, I did not. All right, I will repeat it. Uh, so he asks, uh, uh, to be a store of value, an item has to have prestige as well as uh, be expensive to produce. 
uh, once you have an embarrassing incident like this, uh, as would happen in the art market, doesn't it taint the yacht and make yachts less valuable on the secondary market? Do we know anything about the secondary market for these yachts and how they're holding up under the, I mean, I'm, I am concerned about the uh, people on the secondary yacht market here, um, that my heart goes out to them. Um, do we know well, my, anything my, about my how they're feeling? That's it. My heart goes out to all of them because, uh, you know, if the old arcs also decide to sell, it may be done quickly. So the price is going to come down. Yeah, it's going to be a know, serious discount yacht euros. Exactly. If you're paying in dollars or euros, you can probably get a pretty decent deal. Um, but but we don't know. So that, you know, the question is, is there a higher demand for new builds or will people be, would people, you know, rich people be willing to have sort of a secondhand yacht? Um, and there, there are cases of that. The, uh, the original Dilbar uh, is, uh, was, was a holding ship. It was a, it was a, a small yacht for Usmanov to hold to until uh, his Dilbar that we know today, which is the largest yacht, uh, was ready. And that Dilbar is now owned so, reportedly by the royal family of Bahrain, and it's called Al Raya. So there is a market for used super yachts, used mega yachts to get bought up by other billionaires. Um, and I don't know that these would necessarily be tainted because, you know, again, these are, you know, these are super high tech, fancy yachts. Solaris is brand new. Uh, Eclipse just went through a massive refurbishment. Uh, Scheherazade looks like it's hardly ever been used. So if for some reason these yachts do end up on the market, my my guess is there'll be somebody willing to buy it. And like we said, you know, you'd probably get it at a discount. Buy your discount yachts at yachtdeals.com. Uh, Alex Finley, you're a great American, even if you are uh, an expat in Barcelona. Uh, keep watching those yachts. Snag one for us. Uh, we can call it the in lieu of fun. Uh, and we can say... Uh, make jokes about how we're not allowed to have fun anymore, but we are allowed to, you know, have debauched parties on this yacht. Um, we will be back uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not sure who is going to be the guest. Do we do we have a guest for Wednesday? Yes, we do. Uh, Sarah Bond is coming back to the show to discuss ancient graffiti uh, at the request of one Genevieve de la Fera. I'm super sad I'm missing this. Everything. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be 46 hours and 58 minutes from now. And until then, Scott Shapiro? Uh, we can't have fun anymore. We can watch the many lights. Um, and so thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you.